Hey, Michael here. Welcome to another great episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. Uh, today we had my buddy Steve Ressler, uh, who Steve uh, is a great guy. He has spoken to more search funders uh, over the past few years than anybody else that I know. And if you don't know, a search funder is somebody who raises a little bit of money to go out and buy a business. Uh, and so Steve invests, has invested in those people for the past few years and recently turned around and has parlayed that into a professional career where he and some partners have launched a fund called the Bryden Group. Um, so you can find that at brydon.com and check out what they're doing. Uh, they're doing a really unique model to help searchers get into the space. Uh, with Steve, we talked about all kinds of cool stuff, um, best practices when running a search, so looking for a business to buy, trying to get it funded, financed and invested in. Uh, he talked through that kind of stuff. Um, their model and how they're doing stuff with the Bryden Group, and then some stuff about things that he has seen happen in the industry and opportunities for people who are maybe out looking for a business to buy. So super cool one with Steve. Uh, we'll get right into it with him after a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, Michael here. I uh, want to talk to you about one of our sponsors in our never-ending quest uh, to make Acquisitions Anonymous break even. Uh, and that sponsor is cloudbookkeeping.com. It's actually run by my neighbor, uh, Charlie, who's a great guy, um, and he has been our longest tenured sponsor, uh, and we're super grateful for him to, to support the podcast. So what Cloud Bookkeeping does, uh, it is a set of cloud bookkeepers um, that if you're a small business person, uh, help you get out of the business of doing your books and let you focus on the business of taking care of your customers. So um, they do all the complexities, uh, bookkeeping, payroll, uh, and they come across and are, are very client service first. That's their phrase, but I know that's true because I've spent time with Charlie uh, and dug into their business. So full suite of accounting services, sophisticated reporting, QuickBooks software solutions, and full service payroll options. Um, so definitely talk to Charlie if you want to get out of doing bookkeeping and outsource that to a trusted uh, third party. Uh, and you can find them at cloudbookkeeping.com. So uh, thanks again for sponsoring today, uh, cloudbookkeeping.com. Steve, so excited to have you here today on the podcast. Pumped, man. I'm very excited to get back with the with the dream team. Hell yeah. It's yeah. gonna be great. Um so let's uh let's go first into, you know, I don't think anyone I know has talked to more search funders in the past several years than you. Um, you had to have seen some stuff from these people. Like, you know, maybe start with the positive, like what are the smartest things you've seen search funders do when they when they pitch you? Like, what what are things that you're like, man, these guys like this is really impressive. That's great. No, and uh, I probably talked. I think 400. I think I was counting the other day, like 400 searchers. Often, like uh, I do it during the day, and then after my kids go to bed at 8:30. So I apologize for anyone as I'm like strolling the mean streets of DC, talking to searchers with sirens in the background. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's often how it's done. Um, Honestly, the, the best searchers, you can tell real quick, and I think they they have a plan and a, and a reason to win, if that makes sense. And so uh, they have like a sector focus potential. And so maybe they have a background in, in healthcare and know this niche very well, and they're ready to go. Um, sometimes geographic works very well, too. So like the best would be, you know, hey, if, uh, you know, Bill's best friend who was like the top banker in Charlotte and worked the local bank and had seen hundreds of small business deals and had a defined network and a tax strategy. I think those are the ones that win. Um, and then I, I guess the last is they you feel like they are doing it for the right reasons. And so like they've thought about it a lot. So 
They've uh, obviously listened to this podcast um, and they've listened to many podcasts. They've read all the books. They've talked to 50 searchers. And I think they have a pretty thoughtful reason of why they're doing it. Not just like, I hate my job and my boss is, is, is normally not a good reason to do it. <laughs> so what, what are the good reasons to do a search fund? What, I mean, as you, as you think about your lens on it, like, why should people do it? Yeah, oh, what's a good so, reason for them to be doing it? Yeah, what's a good one? Like, um, love it when like family, small business. Like, here's some like green flags: green, yellow, red, uh, green. I grew up in small business. My family talked about small business in the dinner table. It's been in the blood. Uh, another good one is like maybe they had their own small business sometime, maybe in high school or college, or uh, maybe even right out of college at a startup. Um, and so they have it in the blood and reason to do it. I think is is definitely uh, a great reason to do it. Um, I think another one is like they 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 really have a strong reason, like a thesis, right? And so like they they see like in the market there's this opportunity. They've been around a certain type of businesses, and this is probably more for like folks that have been at private equity or banking or been at a private equity owned company. And so like for me, I was in GovTech for many years, and so like if I had a thesis around a part of GovTech that was moving in a certain direction, I like those as well. So, Steve, I, I got to ask, are people, how many search funders a day do you talk to who are trying to roll up HVAC or plumbing or electrical? I mean, I feel like this has been like, like the vibe for like a couple of years now. And it's got to be played out. Like, is that, does that still, is this all happening in search land? Yeah, it's funny. There's, there's a lot of iterations, right? There's that, the, the, you definitely start there and then uh, hopefully they've evolved over time or they have a reason to win an HVAC. Like, you, you never like the, former investment banker living in New York who's never touched an HVAC that randomly wants to buy an HVAC business in Florida because it's warm and no taxes. That is that is generally not a good strategy. Um, but yeah, it's amazing to see how kind of like how the home services industry has attracted both so much private equity money and, and search interest over time. Um, who, who would have thought it would be cool to own a pool construction company? But uh, I guess it is. Well, we're we're doing our part. We've had like several pool construction owners on this podcast, in fact. There you go. Exactly. So, Steve, I'm curious. You know, to me, it seems like there's there's probably three segments of it, kind of age group and experience for the people that are coming and doing search. Like you have... To me, I kind of think about this prototypical late 20s, maybe straight out of an MBA program, came from an associate or some sort of role beforehand and got exposed to ETA, you know, in their in their 20s. Then you have the the 30-something who maybe went and took a job after their business school program and has been worked their way up to middle management. And then you have this 40-year-old like senior executive, 45-year-old senior executive. And that's like a different kind yep. of thing. Like like, well, first of all, is that a reasonable segmentation of the type of people you're seeing or are you seeing something different? No, I think there's there's reasonable, it's a reasonable breakdown. I think each of them have different reasons to search and also probably different um, types of search that fits best uh, with them. And so often like that, that last type, which I, you know, I've, I've talked to a number recently, um, they're, they're doing it often. They've actually experienced a number of They've created something out of nothing. Maybe they started a new division at a GE type business, grew it from one mm -hmm. to fifty million in revenue, made no money, or you know, were involved with a private equity roll up, didn't make much money. They've done something where they like were a key part of growth, uh, and they didn't have any equity value, and so they've kind of seen the value of equity, and so they're wanting to be part of that in, in this next phase. Uh, the risk on those folks I, I have is. Um, 
it's hard to search, right? And so often those folks are used to managing large teams. They're not used to basically being like, you know, an enterprise sales rep, right? That's what a lot of searching is, is like, you know, doing uh, thousands of emails, phone calls, managing a demand gen funnel to book enough meetings to write enough LOIs to close a deal. And uh, if you're 50 and, you know, you got three kids, you're used to managing a huge P&L, Heather, you know, what you really want is to be appointed a CEO. You don't really want to do a search. You want someone to find the business and put you in charge of it. How how can you tell, uh, by the way, this is a personal interest because I've started to help a couple buddies that are like mid-career senior executives and they're like, I want to own a business. I'm like, great, I will help you, um, which may, you know, may be a personality flaw of mine. But anyway, so, but like, they they seem to be getting their head around this idea. And I'm early with both these folks, but they seem to be getting their head around the idea of, oh, I'm gonna have to get my hands really dirty and like like hire some person in the Philippines to build a lead list for me and then I have to keep calling people all day. Yeah. Like, is there a way you can tell if that that senior level executive is going to be comfortable getting in the muck? Um, or are they going to be the people who have a hard time like getting their hands dirty? Yeah, uh, good question. And, and I would say some of it applies to one and two uh, around like, have you ever run a funnel? It's pretty simple, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if you've been in, you know, I used to be a CMO of a SaaS company and it's all funnel, right? You know, you're driving kind of interest that leads to meetings, which leads to proposal, which leads to close. Uh, if you've been in sales anywhere, you think in a funnel math. Uh, honestly, if you've been in, you know, real if you've been a real estate uh, person trying to find opportunities to buy, you're probably thinking a funnel. And uh, what I found is just like, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage are. A third kind of quickly grasp the funnel and mm-hmm. understand inputs, you know, kind of inputs lead to outputs. And then two thirds, that's just kind of not how they've done most of like their their work and career. And and those are the ones that are kind of hard, hard to train, if that makes sense. Yeah. So do, do those people just kind of fail? Like, or like, does it just take them longer to, because to me, there's like, you know, I think there's this like entrepreneurial mindset people and it's a handful of the percent of the people out there. And then everybody else like has this like employee W2 big corp kind of thing on them. And like, like I see some people able to make that mental transition, but a lot of them just find it impossible and go back to taking a job. Um, so is that other two third just go back to the bucket and take a job? Or, or how, how do you think about that with these folks? Yeah, I think the hard part in, in those buckets are... Um, very few of them do f- full time, so they're kind of passively looking, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like looking for another job. I kind of is how I think it. They they read the books, they get interested, they start kind of passively looking. But you know, if they're working 50, 60 hours a week in a job that's relatively big, plus have a good couple kids, like it ends up uh, life happens and they don't get around to doing a deal. I see that as more of a failure than they buy a business, they cut all the cords, and it went sideways. If that makes sense, it, it's uh, it's more of the it's really hard to find a business, get it to LOI, get it closed. And so most, if you don't do it, uh, if you don't do it full time, or at least have like a significant like 20, 30 hour a week commitment to it, just kind of never get across the finish line. So that's, that's sort of who, how you got to search, but how do you think about, so you, you, the dog catches the car, right? Now the job changes yeah. completely and you have to be CEO of an HVAC company in Florida or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, so. And it seems to me like those two skill sets, you, you related to enterprise sales, you know, the, the best enterprise sales guy does not very often get promoted to CEO necessarily, yep. especially in a small business, right? So to me, these seem like yep. opposite skill sets in a lot of ways. So 
when you vet a searcher, how do you kind of weigh the two skills? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're really looking for a person that can um, be a learning machine and kind of can learn new things and fit the role, right? That's what you're looking for, someone who's flexible enough to like, you know, you don't want someone that's only a sales rep, right? You want to find someone who, who can learn how to sell, maybe learn to sell, learn enough about how to be a, you know, private equity analyst, like how to do a mini LBO, which is what you're doing and understanding, hey, you know, buying at four times is really a, you know, 25% IRR. And hey, if I put debt on it, it's going to juice the returns, but it's more dangerous. Uh, you, you have to like get smart enough on that. And then third, to your point, then you got to run the, run the thing, right? You know, like you got to deal with people like, you know, employees quitting, drama, et cetera, uh, learning where like, you know, of the five products you sell, which one actually has the the real margin and which ones to kill. Um, and so I think in on that side, I think a couple of things, one would just be, uh, you know, some people, I, I don't do the, what is it, cultural index that, that Girdley does, but I think a lot of that stuff probably plays out on, you know, how is their EQ? How do they think through the emotional intelligence of understanding their employees, the differences employees? Um, for that business, what types of folks do you need to hire? Um, and then at the same time, like not be in the business, be, you know, be out of the business and think high level of like, where does this business want to want to grow and in the future? Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And so that's why that's why and that's why it's like a unique skill set and not for everyone. I mean, I think the idea that like uh, I love the democratization of search that it's not just like Harvard and Stanford, like mm-hmm. the whiz kids, you know, come in that only they can do it. But there's a reason why it started with the Harvard and Stanford whiz kids. Like it's a really hard thing. Like if it, it's not supposed to be like your average, you know, GM job of a $5 million PL that, you know, you can slot a lot of different folks into. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill has joined the church of the personality trait assessment. Uh, yes. It's a big 10. I'm converted. Big ten. Min, min, many of us here. Many of us here, but Bill, Bill has joined me at the church. We go, we go every weekday. It's great. The church yeah. well, I, I pass, I, I pass, I pass my sea cat when I was at Vista. So, you know, I'm on board. So, <laughs> uh, super funny. It would be interesting. And maybe this is a good chance to go into your, uh, into what you're working on next with the Bryden group, which we're excited to learn about. And I think the word needs to get out about what you're doing because a lot of people need it. Um, but it would be interesting to do your first cohort and do CI on them. And I bet you I can predict who's going to be the most successful. There we go. We, we, so, we, we got to yeah. like bet a bottle of bourbon or something, you know. And see uh, how I'll give you it. odds, dude. I'll give oh, you odds. there you go. In my favor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell us about the Brighton Group? What are you guys doing? Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so my background last few years is, uh, background as a serial software entrepreneur, uh, both as an entrepreneur, startup guy, and then as PE, uh, executive and fell into search and just loved it. And so, uh, me and a good friend, Alex Mears have been investing individually, just kind of off our own balance sheet, uh, for the last four or five years and made over 70 investments across all the flavors of search. And so super fun, got to meet lots of, uh, smart, interesting people. Um, but what we saw kind of as we kind of explored what we wanted to do next was uh, as an investor, you really have two approaches. You could either make a lot of small bets, uh, but you're loosely involved and can't really roll up your sleeves or make fewer bets and kind of get in the trenches and and get with the searchers. And so we launched the Brighter Brighting Group to do the latter. And so it's me, uh, Alex Mears, and his career was, uh, you know, McKinsey, Blackstone, Carlisle, Bain, and and Navy SEALs to throw on top to make me feel worse about my life uh, of what I've accomplished. Uh, and a third partner, George Dutile, who also is SEAL and was at Goldman and JP Morgan. And so 
the three of us are basically backing five searchers a year in a cohort model. And uh, we're looking for mid-career folks, uh, ideally kind of two to seven years post-MBA. So maybe uh, went to Kellogg or Wharton, did McKinsey. And out of that, you had uh, you did a lot of work in healthcare, for example, or GovTech, and you have a thesis to buy businesses in, in those areas. And we'll back basically 90% of the search and we'll wrap around kind of the best of large cap private equity resources. So think like great inside sales, demand gen engine, uh, transaction experience, and then uh, really just like being the best of being part of a cohort. So four others in the trenches with you, plus us. And then um, as we all know, like we don't make decisions alone. So if you have a partner, we also have like a, a shadow partner cohort, kind of like uh, our experience with military wise, where they, they all matter more than the actual searchers. So getting uh, the whole team involved in the search. And so, yeah, we just launched and uh, uh, applications are due June 15th. And uh, if anyone's interested, just just reach out. Yeah, that's great. So why why go after that kind of mid, mid-senior, you know, junior, senior, whatever it is, that thing, like the thing that I am, yeah. it's, it's part of your career. Why go after why go after people with this kind of 20-ish years of experience? Yeah. I, as you said, there's kind of three buckets, maybe fresh out of, fresh out of you know, an MBA kind of analyst, uh, the mid-career that we're talking about, and then there's kind of the more experienced kind of senior career. Um, uh, when we look at it, we kind of said, hey, folks, senior, they're, gr- they're great and fantastic to kind of put in as a CEO, but probably less kind of in the trenches searching kind of day to day and less geographic flexibility. Um, so often those are even best for kind of a self-funded geographical search. Um, and then the first uh, part, while great being right at, right of M- MBA, uh, what we're seeing is just with more searchers and more uh, private equity coming down, it's really hard to win when you're just kind of a generic 27 year old got a top MBA don't really have a strong thesis to search uh, we, we kind of think you need a right to win these days uh, right to win the deal I like to say like a cheat code in the industry and so that's why we like folks um, kind of two to seven years post MBA or mid-career if they didn't do an MBA where you build a network uh, of folks you know an industry cold you're respected to the sellers um, you know what looks good in, in an industry um, but you're still kind of in in the life course of your career that you like uh, haven't made kind of like uh, ideally the wealth you want to create, and so this this is the opportunity to do that and really get like real ownership um, in a in a business. And then I think from a risk adjusted return, a lot of those folks uh, look at self funded, and it's like no you know no salary. You're kind of yoloing it. You're kind of putting it all in black, and so you know we'll pay you 150 to 200k a year, give you a bunch of resources, still give you strong ownerships, a good good fit for those folks. So that that's a huge differentiator for you guys, right? Because if you're looking for these mid career folks, they got families, like they've got they've got burn, yep. right? They can't just live in like a small apartment and you know eat ramen every day while they search. So that's I, I would imagine part of your thesis is now you can get higher quality folks who might you know jump out of the plane if you offer them a parachute. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's part of the thought is like, hey, those folks have higher higher burn and honestly higher opportunity costs. So like, it really matters that they find a deal. And so, you know, being part of something that has more of an infrastructure on the CRM and and uh, deal sourcing side is worth it because um, they have that high opportunity cost to get into a business as fast as possible. So are are y'all looking? Let's talk about kind of the the. So we talked about the input side. So it sounds like you're mostly looking for. Late thirty somethings, early mid career, so less less old compared to me. I'm forty seven. 
you're looking for that kind of 30 something who needs kind of a, a soft landing to get into entrepreneurship by acquisition. What, what, if that's accurate, then I'll stop there. But, um, on the other side, like what sort of deals do you want to do? Like what sort of size and then industry and theses and that kind of stuff? Yep. Um, as Aaliyah said, age is nothing but a number currently. So I would not put a, put an age, age number on it, but I think you're, you're, you're in the proximity. Um, but yeah, in terms of types of businesses, uh, we want the searchers to have thesis-driven search. And what that means is like you're searching kind of in a lane, right? So not, hey, any business with recurring revenue I'd like to buy. We, we want, hey, based on your background, you have a, a thesis. And so there's certain theses we'll always kind of look for searchers to search in because of our backgrounds. One's vertical SaaS. I spent a bunch of time in vertical mm-hmm. software. So is Alex at Carlisle Bain. Uh, another is kind of gov-related, which, you know, Government is like 20% of the economy. So that could be, you know, selling to K through 12 or local government or federal or Intel. But uh, we've done a ton in that uh, place as well. So there's a couple of theses we'll always do, as well as kind of regulatory compliance work uh, we've done. Uh, and then we want the searchers to bring their thesis. So think like, you know, hey, we'd love to back the, uh, we helped a Navy nuclear submarine or look at nuclear services businesses. We've helped like a niche um a niche person, kind of the auto, um, the auto space was doing a roll up in a sub segment, and so uh, we're open on that. And then the business type is 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 broad from a uh, kind of a financial characteristic. So average deal size is probably ten to fifteen million enterprise value, but you know we'll go as small as five and as high as fifty million. So in terms of structuring those, those are you know the SBA loans and stuff like that. Those tap out sub ten million significantly, eight eight or nine million if you're doing a you know, if you're doing yep. multiples of earnings there. So, you know, how are you guys structure these? Are you going to be doing kind of more conventional financing and some equity comes from you and the searcher? How, how does all that get put together? Yeah, so it'd be conve- uh, conventional debt. So no SBA, no personal guarantee on you. It would be, um, yeah, so say, you know, raise that initial search capital. You know, we'll provide 90% of it. We can provide 100%. We just like to save 10% if, hey, you want to bring your former boss or some river guides that know a sector well. And then say you find that 10 million enterprise value deal, say half is conventional debt. You know, the other, you know, 5 million be kind of equity that we would uh, provide and cut into the deal. Got it. And then, I mean, is there, you said sometimes the searchers will bring friends and family in and stuff like that or raise a portion of it on their own. You know, is there any expectation for them to have skin in the game in terms of putting in personal capital, or that's totally optional? Totally optional. So basically, we 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 decided to do ninety, not a hundred, uh, just to allow the searcher to do that. Some folks mid career, they may have made a little bit of money, and they're like, "Hey, I want to throw a little skin in." Um, probably less like the crazy uncle uh, to invest, but some folks say, "Hey, my boss was the former blah 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 at you know Oracle or Accenture and knows an industry really well." Um, and you know we think that helps kind of the the odds of the success on the search, and so that's kind of how we do that. Yeah, and on the debt side, I mean, it's obviously as Michael said above SBA. So, do you have like a preferred set of banks that have kind of said, "Yeah, we want to do this"? Uh, are they more private equity style cash flow lenders? You know, do you pre help prearrange that? Is that part of the value add? Yeah, that's part of that value add. It's kind of prearrange on on. Um, if you think about it, one of the unique things about traditional search is you're building this machine and then tearing it down. You never talk to a lender in your life. Then you talk to 20 lenders, then you close the shop. You never talk to a lawyer. You find five lawyers and bring it down. And so uh, we'll do that. So we'll have kind of a few preferred vendors that we always work with. And you know, uh, it's a repeat game for, for us with the vendors, which helps you. 
uh, and so it can just move it a lot faster and uh, reduce friction. Uh, and I think that also is helpful um, when you think of, you know, we like to say like we want to arm arm the rebels, right? And so as, as PEs coming down, they can move really fast on these deals, and we want to enable the searcher to move just as fast. And so if the, if if you have a you know a whale on the line, you know they're really ready to go propriety deal. There's a PE sniffing around. Like you can't wait, you know, uh, 90, 120 days to talk to your 12 investors, to talk to six lenders, to talk to you know four lawyers who have you know bigger accounts to work with. And so uh, we want to speed that up in that process and uh, and and give you credibility. I mean, it's helpful when hey you're walking in with with the seller uh, and we can walk in and say hey we had you know a thousand applicants we picked Bill not just because of his stunning good looks, but because he's like done three or four great businesses. He's a good steward of his community. He's going to do right uh, to this business. And we have the capital behind us to, to get this deal done in 30 days. Okay. Yep. Huge advantage, I imagine. Uh, I also noticed yep. you guys um, You guys said uh, probably about 50% of the capital would be debt capital. Um, I, that sounds reasonable compared to you know some the amount of SBA debt people put on things. How do you guys think about how much debt is right for this type of stuff? Yeah, for folks that are doing SBA, I mean, the, the, the pro and con about SBA is you can lever up 80, 90%, right? And so um, the good news of, of that much debt is that on a model, it makes it look good, right? You put, you know, buy it 4X, put 80% debt on something, it, it looks pretty crazy. Uh, but at the same time, these are small, fragile businesses, as you know, and so you don't want to uh, overly burden these businesses. And so uh, we want to put enough enough debt that like, hey, the returns look good for you, the searcher, because partly your, your returns based on IRR, um, but at the same time, want enough room to invest, right? And so you're not like st- stretched on debt covenants day one or, hey, you're hiring your first VP of sales and you can't pay the comp you want to get the right candidate. And so um, when, you, when you overburden a business, sometimes you're always kind of playing that catch-up game. You're always behind because you can't quite reach for the candidate. You can't quite hire ahead, et cetera. And so we want to be thoughtful about that. Yep. Yep. Makes total sense. And, th- and then on the equity stack, kind of how does that, I know it probably can vary depending on the deal, the searcher, et cetera, but roughly, you know, how do they step into sweat equity over time? You know, which I guess is what it is. Yep. How does that kind of work if they're not bringing any capital? Yeah, I think, for, I think for folks that are familiar with traditional search, there's kind of been this kind of tried and true system for years of kind of uh, a searcher can earn up to 25%. Uh, as a solo searcher, 30% and a dual searcher, and they earn in three tranches, like a third when they find the deal, a third time best as CEO, and a third based on IRR hurdles. And so um, we think that's a great, there's a reason why that that model and setups worked for years. And so, um, yeah, we're basically traditional search. Uh, so we give you the full economics, but like additional support, higher salaries, um, and off to the races. Awesome. With an IRR hurdle, that must mean that you know you, you're driving towards an exit at some point, right? A lot of searchers, I think there's something that's hot these days in search, which is they you want to build a whole co, you want to buy the first business, yep. you know, want to cash flow forever, and you want to spin that cash off and buy another one, etc. But when you have outside equity, you know, it's kind of a pickle because your equity's got to get their money back. So, are you guys explicitly upfront saying this, there's a whole period and we're going to exit these things? Yeah. So. Um... I guess uh, two things, right? So I think, hey, you have a great business. There's a lot of ways to get money out of business. You know, you can dividend recap the business. You can, you know, uh, profit back. Um, but ge- generally, they are. Yeah, it, you know, we are a fund. You know, it is a five to seven year kind of general hold. 
Um, you know, we also find kind of life course, like it's interesting, the rise of hold cows, and I think they're great. Uh, I think it's thoughtful. I, I am a little bit skeptical as someone who's had a couple different exits that like, you know, after you run a business for five to seven years, especially in this life course, you know, uh, people generally want to check to kind of pay off at, you know, buy a house, fund the kids 529. Um, and sometimes honestly, like if you're smart, like that problem set that you've worked on for seven years, like you've worked on HVAC rollups for seven years, like you might be sick of HVAC rollups and be okay, kind of trading it up the food chain and getting on to the next thing. And so, um, yeah, like I, I think hold codes are great, but that's not kind of the core to our, our model. What do you think about, you know, I've heard people think about search, especially for mid-career and late-career professionals, and you kind of, you, you, you hinted about it. Sometimes people just have struggles turning from big corp to entrepreneurship. You know, what sort of things are you guys going to look for as you look at candidates to try to find those, the one-third, as you described it, who's able to get their hands dirty and change kind of their mindset and attitude to be right for the flexibility that this kind of work requires? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so you know, we're, be- we're big believers in like assessment process too. So, you know, we're in the process kind of uh, formalizing ours. And obviously like, you know, uh, Alex and George have gone through some of the, the toughest government assessments getting in the seals. And so a couple of our advisors are who've done assessments, whether at PE side or in the military are helping us put a, put together the assessment process. Um, but I think a couple of things I always look for, like, and I think this is, this is a little bit in, uh, I think it's uh, the GH smart books you like. I love the track record of success. I, I love the bottom up, up top grading interview of understanding why you move to the next job. And then especially like when an old boss has like pulled you through. So really kind of understanding, hey, did you work at McKinsey or were you like you were a, t- a top performer so much that your former boss, when they went to be the CEO of Pepsi, pulled you over, for example. So really understand like how, you know, it's easy to get with fancy resumes to understand like where were you really in that cohort. Um, I think we really look for places where you're like you're driving uh, change. That makes sense. So a lot of this in search is you're coming into business and driving change, right? Like you're you're buying a business. Uh, you want to make sure you don't mess up first, but then you want you do want to drive some change, right? So you want to improve finances, do hiring, etc. And so whether that's you know you started a new division in a large core, you were at a small business, you were at a P back strategic. I think driving change is a, a is a core piece um, to what we're doing. Um, and then three, I think we we bet a lot on um, that kind of like why search and why this thesis. And so once again, like you want, um, I come from more of the startup entrepreneur uh, area and like you want that burning drive of like, I have to do this. I will win. I will step on glass to make this work versus like, eh, you know, like kind of bored one day, you know, I could do X, I could do Y, you know, it's it's more of like, oh, they're kind of like, I'm doing search whether whether or not you pick me or not, and I'm buying a business in this thesis, whether you like me or not. And I have this track record where I've had success everywhere I go. And you know, you're lucky to have me. But then I'm like, okay, I like this. That, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, it's something, you know, it's the adverse selection problem that I I've it's cool to hear you recognize that's the problem. You're it's the um what's the other thing? Whether when I was a kid, there used to be the and maybe it's still I don't know, is this still a kid's book or it'd be like, Are you my mommy? at like the there would be the little animal that would like go around the farm and be like, are you my mommy? And it was a chicken. And then they finally found a chicken or a horse. I don't remember what it was. But, <laughs> but there's some people that are like that. Like they'll come to you just because they're looking for somebody to be their boss. Yeah. As opposed to what you really need is somebody who's ready to be the boss. Yeah. Um, they just, and it's a, it's a challenge, yeah, you know? Yeah. They just want, they, they want a framework. Like I always say, uh, they're the formula one 
race car driver, right? They're they're riding the race. They have to have the ambitious to be the number one in the world. But hey, we might as well like you don't need to build the car yourself. We can like help you get the good car and get you the good tires and the equipment and and occasionally help you like say, hey, don't 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 run that race. Like that's a bad industry. It's equivalent of like skip uh, the St. Petersburg track this year. It's a it's a bad race. But you know, you're the one feeling the bumps and bruises. You're the one that's going to win the race or not. Not us. We're you know we're uh, we're not on the court every day. You are. Yeah. So are you potentially going to be in a place where you like, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if somebody gets in and that kind of makes the deal happen, but then phase two, you're going to be the majority of the equity in the deal. Like, is how does that shape out if the person underperforms? Like, are you going to be having to do like private equity and go make changes sometimes or? No, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we all want to win, right? We, we, we all want this to work, right? The searcher, the business owner, the employees. And so like, yeah, I mean, I think it's our responsibility, and so that's that's part of our like ethos, right? Kind of no man left behind, and so uh, that's what we'll do. We'll roll push sleeves and make it work, and that that's kind of what I've done when I ran large organizations. And you know, our if our accounting manager quit, I rolled up my sleeve and became the accounting manager, or vice versa, uh, yeah. with my partners, and we'll do the same here. I have a buddy who started a, a micro private equity firm. And, you know, they had 50 odd million under management. And once I was having drinks with him, he's like, Gridley, I've been the CEO of every one of these companies for a while. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like, that sounds terrible. That should be called the Gridley line that he does not cross. If I have to do something yeah, in exactly. the operations, I'm out. <laughs> that's, that, well, uh, that's, that's culture it, index, right? You know, we'll do culture right. index, we'll be fine. Knows thyself. We should do it. No, I mean, it, to build, for full disclosure, I have, you know, I have jumped in and do it. I have jumped in and do it, but like the first meeting is, okay, how do we find somebody else to do this? So we're doing this wrong. Um, so super cool, Steve. So um, other one more question, um, specifically on, on Bryden. So why this size? Why not go smaller where you could do SBA? Why not go bigger where the economics potentially are more interesting? Why why pick this kind of two to five million ish EBITDA range? What's what's so great about that? Yeah, I think three things. I think when we we looked at the, the search ecosystem, I think like like as a searcher, you have to find what model is right for you. And I always encourage folks to do that. Like self-funded is great, SBA is great, hold co is great, traditional. And so I think for us, really just personality, we wanted to like uh, you know, get our hands more dirty and roll up our sleeves more. Um, we thought there was kind of an opportunity with this kind of like size and talent pool that's like not you know, kind of ambitious folks that want to do big things, but like, uh, you know, have a risk adjustment that they do need some more help and support. And, uh, and honestly, there's not usually like Carlisle principals willing to roll up the sleeves and JP Morgan folks and, you know, uh, serial SaaS entrepreneurs. Most of the help is it's it's good, but it's kind of former searchers who are kind of, you know, helping out, but not kind of the top tier PE. And so that's why we think kind of in this middle lane. So, you know, we're not a mid market PE fund and don't want to do that. And if we're going to do that, you know, Alex would have stayed in his job, right? Um, <laughs> but also, you know, at the SBA level, I think that's great. Um, but it's hard to be an investor in, in, in small SBA for a variety of reasons where it's hard, you know, can't own more than 20% economic ownership. The searcher owns the majority and it's really their baby and vision. Um, and then third, I would say a lot of searchers that buy in that range who have investors, I think in the end, uh, goes to your whole co- comment, Bill, like, do kind of want to have their own baby, you know? And so I, I've seen just like 
uh, investments in that area where like in the end, they're like, you know, I, I really don't want to send out monthly, like, you know, investor updates or quarterly board meetings or, or do all of what it takes when you take outside capital. And so um, I think that, that made that part of the ecosystem a little tough from, a, from an investment standpoint. But I think it's a great, fun place to play in. I encourage, you know, as investors, if you're doing small individual checks, I think it's fun. I think as a searcher, it's great too. Interesting. So that's the different the differentiation between the person who wants to be an entrepreneur and just needs a, some a little bit of structure and the person that wants to be a, a CEO. And you're looking for the person that wants yeah. to be a CEO. Yeah, we want someone who wants to be a CEO. Like that that's been their dream, you know, and they're like maybe the head of corp dev uh, at some place and how else are going to be CEO and that's their dream and they they're ready to kind of like they want to jump in the the race car and go for it, you know. Um the person who hey wants to go hang out and fishing and hang out and own the little barbecue by it. That's awesome. And that's a great life too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve, as, as Michael said, you've talked to so many people, you said about 400 folks, I imagine you've got a pretty good thumb on kind of where the market is these days. Uh, and the public markets are a little crazy. It's, it's May, early May, 2022, as we're recording this, uh, I'm curious if you would opine a little bit on, uh, where are the winds blowing in search? you know, in kind of the smaller, smaller market transactions, you know, interest rates are up, you know, banks are getting a little yep. squirrelier, you know, wh- where are the winds blowing these days in the private markets? Yeah, I think, um, you know, definitely just huge wave of like interest in search. I think like just the the classic, like it used to be taught at five schools. Now there's 15 to 20 schools. So more interest at the school level, um, podcasts like this and others and search funder and Twitter, I think are just getting more people aware that this is a concept. Right. And so I think a lot more uh, folks interested in getting involved in search. I think you'll see a lot more like variations of the model. Right. So I think in the past used to be like buy an SBA, do traditional search. I think there'll be more variations um, of the model like ours is an example of that. And uh, I think that's that's good because half of it is aligning like what you want to do with the resources uh, you want to do. And then I think the, the fun part is like you know, a lot of search is recurring revenue. And so like, it, it moves a little bit of like, they used to not do software and search. Now that's popular, you know, uh, uh, home services not used to be popular. Now it's more. So I think you'll find more kind of random niches over time that kind of get in popularity. Um, and they will kind of blow up like, you know, the version of like a smaller version of our, uh, you know, self storage, uh, for search, right. You know, there's always like a little thread of like, okay, you know, it asset, you know, is interesting or hey behavioral health is interesting and if someone finds a, a good business like a lot of searchers talk and connect or hey accounting services is a good interesting one and once a couple searchers buy in there then people look at it more do you feel like uh covid impacted the market at all i mean anecdotally for me you know talking to a bunch of ceos uh, i feel like people have experienced a lot of burnout i mean there's a lot of data out there also that on the on the uh, older end of things people are retiring early people are looking for a way out uh, are you feeling that in search or more and more businesses for sale now post COVID? Yeah, I think COVID was like a stress on everyone, right? And so you have folks uh, burned out. I think the like um, the tax uh, tax increase that never never came. I think is still lingering of folks of like, hey, that could come at, at any time. And so I think the folks that were on the fence um, are are more active on on the seller side. I do think, especially now that we're getting kind of numbers posts. I don't know when people consider post COVID, but there's some that people like, Hey, now we have full 21 and visibility in 22. You're also able to get, you know, 
better multiples and hey, if your 2020 w- went down 20% and then 2021 it was up 20, like you're kind of unsure what to buy on. But now that those numbers are, are back, there's more visibility. I think the interesting one will be on, on the searcher side too. I, I think a lot of there's been a lot of part-time searchers uh, with folks working at home and kind of white collar jobs uh, that could kind of, you know, a little bit like play the fantasy. And so it will be interesting as uh, as folks kind of come back in the office in these kind of like 50, 60 hour big consulting PE jobs of uh, how many of those will kind of like quickly get in and cut bait and they should apply to our program or how many are like, ah, actually, I like the salary and I don't have time to search anymore and, and health insurance and the 401k match and, uh, you know, uh, is worth it. So yep. that, that'll be interesting. I think that's starting to hit. Kind of cuts both ways, right? Because on one hand, what you describe is people can't kind of dabble. They can't be the wa- the launcher per searcher yeah. anymore, right? On the other hand, we also yeah. have this great resignation going on, right? Where people are saying, I'm reevaluating my life, what I really want to do. Maybe I don't want to go back in the office you know, at, at big four accounting or whatever. And now's the time to make a leap. Yep. So people, are they resigning into search also in some ways? Yeah, no, I think that there's definitely, you, you see that of folks that like kind of the moment they have to go back to the office and, uh, you know, do the hour commute, they're like, okay, now, now it's time to pull the ripcord um, or vice versa. Like, you know, sometimes the, the fantasy is over and, you know, they're kind of back to the grind. Uh, it is interesting. I'm seeing more and more sellers with the negative kind of sentiment going around being much more reasonable. Um, that's what I'm hearing from people. Yeah. yeah. And talking to them about it, they're like, well, maybe, maybe now's the time. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, hey, get in while the getting's good. Getting, getting, getting's good. And then, you know, like uh, that, uh, that Florida, Florida no state income tax and good weather and, you know, Margaritaville and Jimmy Buffett RV land. It's all sounding very good. So. Well, I think every searcher, especially the mid-career searchers, go through this phase where they're like, you know, I looked at this sailing tour company in Key West, and I was like, you know, 600K EBITDA, Key West, like, you got to kind of get them out of that, where it's like, dude, this is not easier than you think. Have you have you talked to anyone at Key West? Uh, um, no comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've seen, we talked, started the podcast with a lot of the good yeah. things that searchers do. Uh, I'd love to close with what's some of the like what's the craziest thing you've seen from a searcher who was pitching and don't name any names. Oh, but like what's one. some of the stuff you're like, oh man, like this is this is not what I was this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, I mean you definitely have like the crazy family ones where they're like buying this small business and they're like, like, oh, so tell me about the owner. Okay. And they're like, and like who else is there? And it's like, and the wife, and the cousin, and the sister, and the this. And you're like, that business is definitely falling apart. You walk in, uh, you definitely get the crazy customer concentration where you're like, you know, hey, why is this one customer 50%? And you're like, oh, I don't know. And then you call back a week later and you're like, oh, they uh, they golf together at the same country club. They're good friends. Like the deal will be fine. And you're like, nope. Um, so it's just kind of the, the stuff. It's kind of deal heat, right? So people want to, you know, it makes sense. It's like uh, you're kind of, you, you're starting to see yourself in the life you want the deal deal to work. Um, are some of them. And then as you said, uh, there there are some definitely like destination ones where you're like, I've met some folks that I'm like, you, why are you searching only in this like little geography? Like you don't live in that country. You don't like live in that state even, you know, like what's going on? And you're like, well, I really just actually kind of want to like, you know, move to America. And that's why I'm searching to buy a business. And I'm like, seems a little, a little odd way to do it, but good for you if you can pull it off, you know. 
Super cool. Yeah, must have been a wild ride. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Um, anything else for Steve while we got him? I feel like it's, I love when you come on, Steve, because I pump you for so much inside search information. You like this, the one man searcher index. It's great. Steve's index. I could make up anything. You'd believe it. It'd be great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, how, uh, how could people find out? It sounds like you're, you're definitely interested in getting applicants for this round of this cohort with Bryden. How could people find out more about that and possibly, you know, get it in front of people who should apply? Yeah, awesome. So uh, if interested, just reach out to me. I'm uh, steve at bryden.com, B-R-Y-D-O-N.com. I'm also on Twitter, Steve Rustler. And then uh, the website's B-R-Y-D-O-N.com. has all the information, has the application link due June 15th. So uh, definitely encourage you to apply. Or if you know someone uh, that you think is a good fit, uh, send them my way. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, amazing. And then are you're still doing your newsletter? Is that is that correct? Uh, or are you still doing the newsletter. Uh, uh, I write a monthly musings newsletter on all things ETA and search, uh, highlight kind of some of our investments, some good content, actually job openings and internships, which are quite popular. Uh, and you can get to that uh, at bit.ly, bit.ly slash ETA musings, ETA musings. I am a subscriber, Steve. It is very good and very information dense. If anyone is at all less interested in search, this is the one newsletter to subscribe to. It's very good. That's great. There we go. Great. I send it at the end of every month, except the months where I don't. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. All right. Well, great job. Appreciate you, Steve. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Sounds good.